Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and compared to last week we got a bit more news to go over. We got the usual box office numbers, we got release dates, we got trailers, and updates to films in development. Let's start with the domestic top five. Opening in first place from 20th Century Studios is horror movie Barbarian with 10 million. Opening in second place from Disney as well is Parastema Part 1 with 4.4 million. Third place is Bullet Train as it rolls to 100 million. It made 3.2 million and is now at 92.5 million. In fourth place is Top Gun Maverick with 3.1 million for a total of 705.6 million. And in fifth place is The Invitation with 2.6 million for a total of 18 million. With new releases, it's still quiet at the box office, but the numbers themselves are not too bad. Disney had a decent weekend, taking in two top spots thanks to its Fox films. Barbarian right now has great reviews and looks to have decent word of mouth, and thanks to it being a horror film, that means it has a lower budget, and this is no exception, coming in between 5 to $10 million. So opening with $10 million is fantastic for it. And as for their other Fox film, Parastema, it did okay. I'm not sure how much they were expecting, but considering it's an Indian film and the start of a new franchise, it could have done worse. Hopefully for them, with it being a quiet September, they can get to at least $10 million domestic and maybe even finish with $15 million. I do wonder, whenever the sequel is made, will they release it here theatrically as well, or go straight to streaming? In China, a new drama film called Give Me Five opened to $27.1 million. In second place was New Gods Yang Jian, which made $5.4 million for a total of $62.6 million. In third place was another new film called Hero, which opened to $5 million. Fourth place was Moon Man with $5 million for a total now of $442.8 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Song of Spring, a new film which opened to $3.7 million. There were other films that opened up making around 2 to $3 million each. It does seem at this point the box office in China needs a blockbuster to give it a shot in the arm, either a Chinese or a Hollywood one. In other news in China, IMAX has signed a deal to install six new screens in China. They currently have 788 in the country. For worldwide numbers, let's take a look at Parisma Part 1, as it opened in India, UK, and a few other international markets as well. Internationally, it made $22.1 million for a worldwide debut of $26.5 million. The invitation made $2.4 million for a worldwide total of $25.2 million. Beast made $1.2 million for a worldwide total now of $52.1 million. Nope made another $2.2 million for a total of $165.3 million worldwide. Minions, The Rise of Gru, passed $900 million. It made $5.8 million over the weekend, bringing its total to $904 million. And finally, Bullet Train made $5.7 million for a worldwide total of $211.8 million. Let's start off the news from Hollywood with the update on release dates for some films. Crunchyroll announced that they will release One Piece Red in the United States and in Canada on November 4th. Also ahead of its release, they will be premiering both the sub and dub versions of the film on October 6th for New York Comic Con. This will be an interesting one to watch at the box office. There was a theatrical release of a One Piece film before, I believe it was called Gold. Uh, but that was back when Funimation was distributing and there was a more limited release, only a co- like a couple hundred theaters. One Piece is one of the biggest mangas and animes out there, so if this gets a proper wide release like Dragon Ball and Demon Slayer, I do wonder how high it could go. Though, Black Panther comes out the following week and that will kill any momentum it has, if it has any. 
It could easily end up like most anime films, with a big opening and big second weekend drop. In the UK, we got a small film delay due to Queen Elizabeth passing away. Tickets to Paradise, the rom-com film starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts, was supposed to come out September 16th, but Universal will instead release it on September 20th, the day after her funeral, out of respect. While that's nice of them and shouldn't impact the box office, looking at the calendar, it's a bit weird as that is a Tuesday. Like, why not just wait for the following Friday? And people will not have the bank holiday on a Tuesday as well. That's on Monday for the funeral. So not sure how many will rush out to see this on a Tuesday. In an exclusive from Deadline, we have a release date for Magic Mike's Last Dance. The film, which was originally set to go straight to HBO Max, as we know, has moved to a theatrical release. Well, now we know it'll come out February 10th, 2023. While that is Super Bowl weekend, it is also right before Valentine's Day. So I expect a weak opening weekend, but stronger than normal weekday numbers. Considering the first two Magic Mike films were released in theaters, I always felt it was a bit weird going straight to HBO Max, so I think this is the right move. Sony has once again updated their release calendar, this time with the new dates and new movies in development. First off, Craven the Hunter is getting delayed, moving out of its January release and will now come out October 6th, 2023. Due to this, Madame Web, which had the spot originally, will now come out February 16th, 2024. A new horror movie from their Screen Gems production company called True Haunting will come out January 6th of next year. A horror movie in January. Should be fantastic. The Garfield movie is set to come out May 24th, 2024, aka Memorial Day weekend. Right now, it is set up to go up against George Miller's Furiosa film. Also, there's a new Karate Kid film in development, which is set to come out June 7th, 2024. I do wonder for that film, is Sony doing a new one in hopes of cashing in on people enjoying Cobra Kai? Hmm? We also got release date news from Disney, thanks to their D23 event. First is Haunted Mansion, which was set to come out next March, is being pushed back to August 11th, 2023. I think this is a smart move, as August is usually a quiet month, and this lines up with them releasing the film on Disney Plus in early October for Halloween. From Searchlight, Taika Waititi's next film, Next Goal Wins, comes out April 21st, 2023. And yes, before you ask, it's a comedy. A new Disney animated film called Wish is set for Thanksgiving release next year, coming out November 22nd. Also for 2023, Disney has removed Rogue Squadron from its December release, and is not on the calendar anymore. That's not surprising considering right now we have not heard a single thing about the film, and at this point we should have had casting announcements and a film date set. 2024 is where most of Disney news went as they moved back an entitled Marvel film from February to September 6th, 2024. Since it's unannounced, I would say it's either Shang-Chi 2 or Deadpool 3. The Snow White live-action remake has a set date of March 22nd, 2024, we got two new Pixar films announced for 2024, an original one called Elio, which will come out March 1st, and a sequel, Inside Out 2, coming out June 14th, 2024. Finally, the live-action Lion King remake has a title and release date, Mufasa the Lion King, comes out July 5th, 2024. This does look like a solid lineup for Disney for the 2024 summer, along with the Marvel films being released as well. For Mufasa, I feel like they could have had a better title for it. Like, we know he's going to become king, so why put it in the title? And... I feel like for Mufasa, a Lion King story would have worked better because it then leaves it open to have other movies focused on Lion King characters, like Scar, a Lion King story, and so on and so on. But calling it right now, Inside Out 2 will do gangbusters. Nine years since the original, it's going to be like Incredibles 2 all over again. I don't think it'll make as much as it, but I think it'll make more than the first Inside Out. Moving on from release dates, let's take a look at Warner Brothers Discovery. 
the company as part of their goal of saving $3 billion have started laying off 30% of their ad sales team. The layoffs are not happening all at once with the process going over a period of a few weeks. Sadly, this was expected, and hopefully everyone who is laid off lands on their feet quick. In other studio news from them, Warner Brothers is moving ahead with a sequel to Constantine. Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is it. It will be a sequel to the one back in 2005, with Keanu Reeves reprising his role as John Constantine. Not only that, they are bringing back the same director with Francis Lawrence also coming back. The script will be written by Akiva Goldsman and will be produced by J.J. Abrams. So my first thoughts about this are, uh, what the hell? <laughs> like, personally, I don't mind a sequel to the film, but why now? Deadline is saying DeLuca and Amdi got this deal done. So I guess my question to them would be, why? One of your first films of studio heads is a sequel to Constantine. Who knows? Maybe there's a good pitch from the director and Reeves about a sequel. But with Goldman writing the script, that means this film's going to be 50-50 on if it's good or not. I also take it this is not part of the grand 10-year plan for DC that Zaslav had in mind. What I also find interesting is that Walter Hamada, who is managing the film side of DC right now, is not producing this. Clearly, everything is just smooth sailing between DC and the higher-ups at Warner Brothers. In another exclusive from Deadline, the CEO of AGBO, Jason Bergsman, is leaving the company. AGBO is the Russo Brothers production company. As to why he is leaving, Deadline is reporting that the company is still in the evolutionary stage right now, and it does not align with his career interests. I don't think this will cause much of a shakeup for the company and the films they are producing right now, like Extraction 2, but something worth mentioning. From the Toronto International Film Festival, The Fablemans won the People's Choice Award. This is not too surprising, as it was expected to be a film gunning for the Oscars, and right now, based on reviews and now a festival win, it's in good position to get, at the very least, a decent amount of nominations. Also in news from the film festival, as well as additional details exclusively from Deadline, we are getting another horror film. So, first some background. Earlier this year, one of A24's films was X, a horror movie from T-West. The second film in this franchise is about to come out, which is a prequel to X called Pearl. And now at the film festival, when showing off Pearl, T-West announced a third film called Maxine with a triple X, which will focus on the same character in Pearl, but after the events of X. Deadline has the additional details that it will focus on the character, played by Mia Goth, heading to LA in the 1980s to be a movie star. Filming has not started yet, but the script has already been written by West, and A24 is looking to fast-track the film. On the outside looking in, as someone who has not seen these films yet, it's a bit surprising to see a trilogy build out this fast, but looking at the numbers, it makes sense. Both X and Pearl were made for $1 million each, and for X, it did decent numbers at the box office and got great reviews. So for A24, this is an easy decision to make. Sony's adaptation of Gran Turismo has started to get its cast together. So far, David Harbour and Orlando Bloom have signed on to the film. Based on the plot of the film, they will both be secondary leads to the main character, who is supposed to be a player whose gaming skills get them to be a professional racer. I like both actors, and the studio is trying to get some name recognition to the film, which is good. This should start filming by the end of the year, as right now it's set to come out next August. An exclusive from Deadline Marvel Studios has selected Jeff Loveness to write Avengers to Kang Dynasty. He has mostly worked on writing for Jimmy Kimmel and Rick and Morty, but also just recently wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, so this will be his second Marvel film. It's kind of hard to tell if he'll do a good job or not. I do overall like Rick and Morty, but writing for that is a lot different than a two and a half hour film. I think if the script for Ant-Man and the Wasp is good, then I think Avengers will be in safe hands. Finally, we got the first trailer for Damien Chazelle's Babylon. It's a good trailer, and honestly, I did not expect it to go that crazy. It feels like a, uh, a mix of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Wolf of Wall Street. 
It also looks like it'll be very R-rated, so it'll likely need strong reviews to help get a solid return at the box office. But yeah, this will definitely get some nominations at the Oscars. We start off EOD Premium with an exclusive from Netflix where more changes are occurring with the animation department, and now that includes 30 people being laid off. As for why, World Deadline is reporting that the mandate to the new heads of the animation department is to streamline, aka let people go. Hopefully the ones laid off are able to get a new job as soon as possible. Roku has announced a new software update. The latest update 11.5 will include a continue watching feature as well as expand the save list to include content not on the Roku channel. For continue watching, services include Netflix, Paramount Plus, and HBO Max. It will roll out to devices over the next few months, definitely not as fast as a uh, iOS update. Still, these updates are much needed for Roku. If they want to keep up with their competitors, they need to make their devices simple to use, but offer a lot of features. We know they like to keep it simple to use as they have the same ugly main menu for years, but hey, it's just not my preference. For Paramount, they just debuted Paramount Plus in Italy. Like the UK, it will be available as a separate service to sign up to, but if you have Sky Cinema, it'll be added for free. Besides the latest content from Paramount, they are also debuting some original Italian shows. Also for Paramount, CEO Bob Bakish confirmed that the company is holding talks of shutting down Showtime streaming service and moving all content to Paramount Plus permanently. He also said bluntly that if they were not having this conversation, he and others should be fired, which I respect. But yeah, this move is not surprising, especially now that they have already built out the Showtime section in Paramount+. Plus. What is the purpose of Showtime as a secondary streaming service? I do think in time it'll be shut down. Showtime will stay around as their premier brand and maybe even keep its cable channels, but it does not need its own streaming service. With all the talk of stars being spun off soon, they and Lionsgate were dealt a big blow as 50 Cent has decided not to renew his deal with the company. These days, Stars is mostly known for their power franchise, and since the main show has ended, has spawned multiple spin-offs. These have been produced by 50 Cent and his production company, G-Unit. This makes him and his production company free agents in Hollywood as they look for a new home in producing content. Right now, there's no word on what happens to the power shows that are currently airing on Stars. If they are not able to keep them, that's a big loss for them, and leaves a gaping hole in their lineup of content. This is something to keep in mind of, if it is spun off, what its evaluation will be. We finish up Disney and how Bob Chapik talked about the streaming services the company has. Regarding the upcoming price hike for Disney+, Plus. Chapik talks about how even with the price hike, it is still good value and could even go higher in price down the road as they do not, not expect many cancellations when it takes effect in December. He also mentions that they do have plans to try and integrate Disney+, Plus and park experiences more for customers. Basically, if they can get it working, what you do with the park could influence what is recommended for you when you go on Disney+. Plus. And apparently they're going to try and offer virtual ride tours through Disney+, Plus, naming Haunted Mansion as an example. There would be a lot of work that needs to get done to get that running, and I'm not sure how customers would respond to it, but I'm curious to see how it actually operates. And let's get talking about Hulu. CEO Bob Chapek did mention that they are planning to, when they are able, to offer the hard bundle of Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, and Hulu, aka all three streaming services in one application. He did mention that, as we already know, they will need to complete the buyout of Hulu from Comcast to get that done. This isn't shocking news, and it's nice to get confirmation from the CEO himself that this is the plan. I assume Disney is really annoyed that they are offering most of their content in one place in most of the world, but can't in their home market. That was not the only news from about Hulu this week. CNBC published an article talking about how Comcast executives expect Disney to buy out the rest of Hulu in 2024, even though 
they would prefer they buy it instead. On top of that, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts said that he would be interested in buying it if Disney puts it up for sale. These comments seem to serve two purposes. First, I believe him when he says he wants to buy Hulu. It would give Comcast a major boost in their streaming numbers, easily overtaking Peacock. The issue with that is they have a good amount of debt already, and a good chunk of content would not be included. Shows like AMC and FX, anything from them, ain't going to be in that sale. The other purpose of this, though, is to help inflate the market value of Hulu. If they cannot buy it, then it is in Comcast's interest that the value of Hulu goes through the roof and into 2024. That means Disney will have to pay more up for their share. It does seem like there will be a lot of back and forth on Hulu between the two companies until this is settled, hopefully for good, in 2024. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Question for the episode is, where would you want Hulu ending up at? Staying with Disney or moving over to Comcast? Let me know on Facebook, link to the pages in the show notes. Thank you for listening. <laughs>